Traveler, we are live from the apocalypse. Hello, it's me, Jamie, here to introduce you to the latest episode of Academy Age, a live play tabletop RPG starring myself and four other incredibly talented individuals as we play as heroes, do our best to save the world, and not come off as completely insane to our peers and mentors and this beautiful world created by our game master. This episode you're about to listen to is part one of our latest arc, Lost and Found, which features the heroes trying to get some answers for themselves about what's going on and maybe learn a little bit more about the world and the school that they're going to together. And honestly, it's a pretty great time. For you listening to it, oh, you're in for a treat. You're in for a treat so good, it'll satisfy that sweet tooth. You're in for a treat so good, you can get it for a deal at Dairy Queen. Does that mean anything? It does not, and I apologize for shilling for Dairy Queen. Everything we do at Live from the Apocalypse benefits a charity or nonprofit. In this case, Planned Parenthood. Though that will be changing soon as we recently met our $2,000 donation goal, thanks to your generosity. We record this show live at twitch.tv slash live from the apocalypse every other Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we do the majority of our fundraising. Feel free to come, watch it, see it live, enjoy it for yourself. You can find out the schedules for other games, the social media for Live from the Apocalypse, and more at our Discord link at lfta.carrd.co. And without further ado, here's Academy Age Lost and Found Part 1. Hi, we are Live from the Apocalypse. Everything we do on this channel benefits a nonprofit or an aid organization. We are a TTRPG, I guess, studio now because we exist in multiple formats. We stream and we have podcasts and that's it, but that's more than one thing. So that's what we are now. We platform progressive causes and support good organizations. We are fundraising for Planned Parenthood. We did hit our goal a few weeks ago, and we are kind of in stretch goals now while we figure out what we are going to pivot to next. But in the meantime, Planned Parenthood continues to receive our support. So (laughs) we can get into a new episode and a new arc of Academy H. Brendan, you are up first. Would you care to tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, yes, I suppose I could do that. Um, it's like my name comes first every time. Um, hi, my name is Brendan. I uh, am obviously a player here on Academy H. I occasionally also will cameo in some other one-shots that we do. And I also currently am running a uh, ongoing Pokemon Eldritch Horror Sports Anime every other Tuesday here on the channel, Missing Numbers. Uh, We are not going to be streaming this week, but should be picking up again in a couple of weeks after a brief hiatus. Outside of that, uh, I'm also a a professional game master. I will run games for you for money that are um, very good, I am told. Uh, if you would like to know more about that, you can email me at creative.catacombs at gmail.com. And I think that might be the best pitch that I've yet made on this stream. Uh, and now I don't know what else to say. So please, Stick somebody, the landing. somebody else, take it, take it, take it from me. <laughs> uh, Jamie, hello. Hi, good evening. Um, I don't know why I said that weird. 
I'm uh, I'm Jamie uh, Carbone. I play uh, uh, Danny Carsey, uh, aka the Stage, who uses the Harbinger uh, playbook. Um, I am a comedian based out of the Pacific Northwest, who uh, loves long walks on the beach and smooth jazz and dinner by candlelight. Um, I'm also very funny on the internet. Sometimes that bit wasn't very good because I panicked about what to say, but. You can follow me on all my socials at a Jamie Carbone, and I would really love that. <laughs> JD. I'm JD. I play Casimir Bright, a.k.a. Spectral. I also am in the every other Tuesday game that Will runs, Class Reunion, where I play a non-binary ranger with a thorn horse. So you should definitely check that out. And outside of what I do for Live from the Apocalypse, I also do a little bit of virtual theater acting and now virtual theater directing. So in the coming weeks, I will definitely have some promos coming out for things that will be coming out soon. And I think that is it for me. Uh, We love a Thorse. Julia. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm Julia. I play Lyra Kroll, AKA Bethel. I'm the local Delaware cryptid. And you can also see me every other Tuesday for class reunion where I play a horrible rogue cleric highwayman. I don't know about horrible. She's kind of intolerable. I love her, but <laughs> we love her. Uh, hello, my name is Will. I do a lot of stuff here, but all of it is under the Live from the Apocalypse umbrella. I run Class Reunion. I play Julian Rue, a former Team Rocket member turned chef in Missing Numbers, which is a very good time. Um, and you should check that out. Missing Numbers is every other uh, Tuesday, and then <laughs> Class Reunion is also every other Tuesday. So those games alternate, not on the same Tuesdays, <laughs> different ones. You can always see Will on a Tuesday. That is, that is true. Technically true. I'm in uh, The Mercy of Time also, which is our current Wildcard Wednesday game. It's another 5e game. Wildcard Wednesdays are an opportunity on our channel for cast members from some of our other long-running games to uh, get to run some shorter sessions of a, of, a, of a game of their choice, essentially. So for the past three, four Wednesdays, uh, Victoria from Pulp Addiction and now Veilbreakers has been running a 5e game called The Mercy of Time. It's a lot of fun. I think the world is ending. We traveled back in time. We're trying to figure out what that's all about. Uh, so check that out on Wednesdays at 8.30 p.m., Missing Numbers in Class Reunion on Tuesdays at 7.30 p.m., and then I run and stream and edit this podcast. This is the part where I uh, say that Will doesn't sleep and he insists that he does. Mm-hmm. But again, <laughs> I do. We've had a lot of conversations about this. We have, and that's a thing that I do. I sleep. Sometimes I even dream. (laughs) Anyway, with all of that being said, let's get into Academy H, shall we? Let's do it. It has been about a week since you returned from your adventure in this unknown place. Whether you traveled through time or space, you're still not entirely certain. The only thing you know for sure is that Danny Carsey touched a tree inside of Ravenholm Manor 
and you found yourselves transported to a house that was identical to the Ravenholm Manor you had been standing in a few seconds prior, but with a few important differences. For one thing, it appeared to be buried deep underground. For another thing, there was an irradiated, time-controlling supervillain locked in the basement who, as far as most of you are aware, only ever existed in a short run of comic books from the 1980s called Dr. Victory. The supervillain went by the name of Deathless Comrade, and you managed to subdue him. Shortly thereafter, you were transported back to the real, presumably, Ravenholm Manor by Michael Ravenholm himself, the primary resident and local occultist. And after that, with very few answers, you walked outside and returned to your lives. In the time that has passed since, in addition to the normal things that have been going on in your civilian lives, you've been spending a lot of time prepping to be a squad here at the Brandt Academy. The program for people who are not of high school age. As all of you are a little bit outside of that age range, the squad program is a little bit more of a work-study situation, a little bit more of a work experience, learn-on-the-job kind of thing. And I think aside from being given this rough timeline and being told that you all passed your evaluations, which we'll get to in a second, aside from being told all of that, I think the only real information you got was that there was going to be a little bit of time before everything got up and running. Your accommodations were still going to be in place. The four-bedroom suite that the Brandt Academy set you up with in Ellis Tower is still very much available to all four of you. Yeah. A week has gone by. Now, in Masks, the system that we are playing, when time passes, is a mechanic. Some of you have moves, very specifically playbook moves, that come into effect when time passes. I believe in this group, Lyra and Alex, you are the two with moves that come into play at this point. Lyra, when time passes, your secret identity comes into play as the Janus, and you are confronted with your obligations of which you have many. Alex, as the legacy, when time passes, we get to check in on members of your legacy and see how they feel about your performance thus far as a superhero. Julie, would you like to go first? Sure, I can go first. I have to roll my mundane to see you do. how all of my things that I'm juggling are staying in the air. Ten. Okay. 10 is very good. Things are going pretty well. You actually have an opportunity or advantage thanks to one obligation. And your obligations are just a peek behind the curtain. You assist your old gymnastics coach with the younger kids' classes, which we've seen in past episodes. You also have recently enrolled at Powers University as a member of Dr. Harriet Stacy's lab. And you have a general familial obligation, if I am not mistaken. Yes. It's just my general home life, but also I have a more direct obligation to my paternal grandparents who live in the house with my parents and my siblings and I, who I kind of have to, in the weird intermediate hours when not everyone's home, I'm kind of the like weird shift. Okay. Very cool. So. You got a 10, which means nothing bad happens. You just have an opportunity. And an opportunity 
can be very loosely defined. So how has Lyra spent the week since your return from Ravenholm Manor and the strangeness that ensued? I think in the week, she probably, because the school year hasn't actually started yet, I think she spent the week picking up more shifts with her job with girl gymnastics coach and kind of like prepping him for the fact that like hey in the fall i'm going to college i know we had talked about it before when i thought i was going to just be going to the community college but i'm actually i'm going to have less time than we thought so kind of like prepping him as much as she can that things are going to change but she's using just the college as the excuse and not the fact that she's going to be doing squad related stuff as well. So between that and your normal superhero patrols, I think you have had a very exhausting, very tiring week. And towards the end of it, you come home from teaching one of the gymnastics classes. This is the one that you really dread throughout the week. I mean, obviously this is the one that Terrence is in. And we all know how Terrence is. Uh, what a little nightmare. But he was in rare form today, and he kind of got the other kids riled up, and you are just dead on your feet as you make the walk from the bus stop in Willow Hills to your family's house. You step inside, and you open the door. It is strangely quiet in your house. For a moment, you feel very lucky. And you think that you're going to have this time to yourself. But as you are taking off your shoes in the front hall, you actually do hear something. It is very quiet. And if the house wasn't so dead silent, you probably would have missed it. But you do sort of hear what sounds like somebody crying, but suppressing it. Coming from the living room. I'm gonna kind of like finish taking off my shoes as like quietly as I can and try to like pad a little bit closer to see who it could be. We haven't really spent a lot of time describing your home. How is it decorated? How is it set up? Obviously you have a big family living here. It's you, your two brothers, your mom, your dad, and then two grandparents. Mm -hmm. So it's a very crowded house. Yes. It's, it's very much, so there's, very little in the sense of like wall space. If you're in the hallways, the hallways are full of family pictures from like when my grandparents lived back in Poland and their family there. And then just family here. My mom's side of the family has her pictures are up as well. There's the pictures of my siblings and I growing up, my cousins, pictures of my dad and his brothers in front of like the truck when my grandfather was like, Oh, you're all finally old enough to start working at the landscaping business. Everyone get together. Like lots of moments in our family history chronicled on the walls. And then the furniture is all like, there was definitely an effort to like try to get pieces that all match, but because they're, they were more concerned about like matching, they're not necessarily like higher end. So it's a lot of dressed up IKEA furniture kind of crammed in with seven people's worth of belongings in this house so it's, it's crowded almost like a one of those antique stores that are built out of homes so it's like there's not as much walkway space as there should be because it's full of things but it's all like things that are important absolutely you sneak over to the archway in the house that separates the front hall 
of your house from the living room and you kind of peek around the corner and you see curled up on the couch your mom who appears to be the source of the crying that you were hearing she has her back mostly turned to the door where you came in from she obviously must not have heard you come in because this is very unlike your mother but Nonetheless, you can see her back shaking with the sobs that she is suppressing. And as you look closer, you see one of the pictures from the wall of your family has actually been taken down. She's holding it loosely in her hands, but it appears that she has removed the picture from the frame and has unfolded the section of it that is normally folded back when it hangs on the wall. Knowing how unusual this is, am I like, make note of that. I creep back a little bit and then I move into the kitchen and I go over to the cabinet where the coffee mugs are and I'm going to pull it open and then I'm going to slam it deliberately. Okay. Yeah. When you make that noise very, very quickly, you hear the sound of your mom sniffling and you hear the creak of the couch as she stands up. She starts straightening her clothing and you hear her call out and she says, uh, Lyra, is that, is that, is that you? Uh, yeah. And I'm going to open it back up quietly and get like a coffee mug out and close it again. And I'm going to be like, uh, sorry, I, I have a headache from Terrence. I was going to make some tea. Do you want some tea, mama? I did not, uh, hear you come in. Um, I came in the back door in the kitchen. I just came straight in the back because I wanted to make tea. She walks into the kitchen from the living room. She looks much more put together now. Clothes have been straightened. She has wiped away the tears from her eyes. Her eyes are maybe still a little bloodshot, but not enough that you would really question it on a normal day. And she smiles at you as you get down the mugs and you start putting the tea together. And she comes up behind you, leans her cheek against your back, puts her arms around you and holds you very tightly. You okay, Mama? Did you have a bad day? Uh, No, it's... It's fine. It's just uh, things better left in the past. What kind of uh, tea did you want? I'll take over. And she starts like shooing you away in a very mom-ish fashion. Basically just takes the mugs out of your hands and and starts doing what you were planning to do. I just kind of like let it happen and head back out to the hall where I left my shoes and my gym bag. It's like just some like just the headache tea that Marcus uses when he's reading about torts. I'll bring it up to you. You go and run a bath, relax. Okay, Mama. As I go past, is the picture back on the wall? It is, yeah. Uh, and it has been folded back into place so that it only shows three crow children gonna look at that for a minute and kind of take a deep breath because i know that's nina and i just i go upstairs (laughs) you run a bath and you relax and while the rest of your week is no less busy you know that at the end of it you'll have all of this brand academy stuff all of this squad stuff to take your mind off of everything at least until school starts at powers university on the other hand, Alex, why don't we check in on your legacy? You want to go ahead and roll with Savior? 
Uh, well, so before I do that, there are some questions that the other people in the group need to answer. Find my sheet here. All right. So when time passes, before rolling, ask the other players to answer these questions about your performance. <laughs> Thus far, I got a performance review. Take minus one to the roll for each no answer. So question one, have I been upholding the traditions of my legacy? Yes. Okay. Any disagreement from the, the group? I think at this point, I don't know enough about your legacy to disagree. I just believe you implicitly. Cool. That's not a no. <laughs> yes. I will say, even though I'm not <laughs> technically another player, but in the last episode, you literally embodied your legacy. You called that Soviet Union man a bitch. So like, I <laughs> yeah, you asked him if he was ready to tussle with this perfidious Yankee. <laughs> so it doesn't get much more Dr. Victor. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, okay. I think following on from this, uh, have I maintained the image of my legacy? <laughs> also? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I think so. Yeah. Now for the maybe the trickier one. Have I made the other members of my legacy proud? You can never disappoint Danny. <laughs> <laughs> well. Danny's original last name was Danny Victory. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, that that does make sense. <laughs> I'm gonna take the silence as maybe a no on this one. Yep. Yep. I think that's okay. fair. <laughs> Yeah. All right. So three yeses and a no. So I take a minus one to the roll. That is roll plus savior, which at this point I think is at a plus one. So minus one. So just rolling flat two d six. Yes, because you got your labels shifted. Okay. All right. On a what'd you get? So I got an eight. So well, uh, okay. Well, it's not the worst thing that could have happened. So, yeah. Uh, do you want me to describe the effect, Will, or do you just want to, you know, have that effect no, we can, take place? We can walk through it. So on a hit, okay. one of them offers you meaningful encouragement, an opportunity, or an advantage. But on a seven to nine, another is upset with your most recent actions and will make their displeasure known. That gets a little bit tricky with your legacy the way we have defined it and laid it mm -hmm. out. But I think ultimately this can probably all be summed up in terms of you reconnecting with Dr. M. Do you think you would have reached out to him or do you think he would have reached out to you? I actually think I would have reached out to him just because I feel like I need to tell him that I had an encounter with Deathless Comrade. I don't think that he'll believe me, especially with it's like, no, no, these other random young folks were totally there and we touched a tree and we went to an upside down underground planet and Deathless Comrade was totally there. <laughs> Knowing Alex, I'm assuming that the majority of this has been communicated over text message. Yes. <laughs> Someone touched a tree. We went to an upside down planet. Also underground. <laughs> I think the first response you get is a text message back that says, that makes no sense. Was it upside down or underground? Oh. And then it says, come by the house. We should talk. Make him a way downtown. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> and you do that, yeah. So, <laughs> so at the same time, Alex is definitely dreading this conversation, but he's got a little bit of a spring in his step just because he's feeling pretty good about the fact that, you know, he tussled with Deathless Comrade and he didn't die. So, you know. That's true. You actually, while you did not technically per se ever hurt Deathless Comrade, you let him hit you a lot. Yeah. And you did not go down. I let him hit me a lot and I didn't die. And hey, whether or not I did him a punch, he went back into the basement freezer of the upside down underground planet. So I'm calling that, uh, you know, B for victory. <laughs> Good. Yes, the pose. No. God, I love it. No. So you, during the week, I imagine at this point in Alex's life, there's probably a lot of time on your hands, but you have not returned home, or at least you are no longer living at home. Yes. Have you had that conversation with your parents? I assume that we did. My feeling was that they were actually generally pretty supportive of me moving out of the basement. Yes. And I imagine that in addition to your relationship with your parents has evolved drastically since you got superpowers. It has. You've always kind of had the like super supportive, hyper competitive parents, but never in relation to you. It was always for your older sister, who was very competitive athletically, academically, kind of all around a golden child who, whether she meant to or not, overshadowed you, the entirety of your childhoods together. And then suddenly, you were the one with superpowers. You were the one who was a hero. And your parents kind of latched onto that as their next project, especially with your sister getting older, having moved out, doing her own thing. I think for a while there, it was very nice probably being the center of attention, but after a while, might have become a little bit stifling. You know, eh, a little bit. Though mom did try really, really hard to bake whatever weird breakfast the manual called for. She sure did. And I think also there was the property damage. I think that also. I super glued the majority of it back together again. I glued my fingers together many times, and I don't care what kind of victory strength you have. Pulling your fingers apart when you managed to super glue them together, that sucks. Especially, I mean, super glue in this world might have an entire... Entirely different connotation. (laughs) It's even worse. Exactly. I'm trying desperately to like pull it apart. I'm like, look on the back brought to you by the Powers Corporation. God damn mm-hmm. Super is underlined like three times on the yeah. front of the package. And <laughs> underneath it says, no, really. <laughs> no, really, though. Yeah, I think there was probably some shared relief when you sat Phil and Teresa down and explained that it was time for you to move out. Despite the fact I, that. I imagine that it was almost like I sit them down. It's like, mom. Dad, I, as I, you know, I have something to tell you. I know that this is going to be very, um, to be very hard, but um, I think, you know, I've come to a decision. I think the time has come um, for me to move out. 
and just watching like the dread on their face just suddenly turn to like relief in an instant and the oh no oh are you sure uh, are you as you you positive yeah no of course we support you <laughs> they did their best to hide it they did not do a very good job but with the possessions in hand that you wanted to bring over to Ellis Tower and the Brandt Academy with you you make a stop off at the brownstone of one Dr. Charles McManus Jr. Similar to all the other times you have been here, the yard is overgrown. There are several months worth of black trash bags just sitting out by the curb. You don't know why they're not getting picked up. You suspect that he might bring them in before trash is picked up each week and then sets them back out. And that doesn't make any sense to you, but it's the only explanation you can think of for why they've been sitting there that long. I assume that Dr. M has determined a more ideal trash pickup schedule and is just waiting for them to figure it out. That seems very likely. And you step up to the front door. Just buzz the intercom. I was going to say the intercom is kind of staring you down because you know exactly how this is going to (sighs) go. Yes. Who who is it? Um Dr. M, I I have to ask, is it ever anyone else? Who who is this? Is this a is this a prank? Go go away. I I don't I'm not interested. Yes, Dr. M. This is a prank. I'm going to leave a burning bag of dog poop <laughs> on your porch. I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this right now so that you will know that it is out here and be compelled then to come and stomp it out and get doo-doo all over your foot. Although having buried the lead like this, it does lose a certain amount of its humor, I have to think. Is that, that, is that Alex? Alex, is that you? No, no, I, we already established Dr. M. I am a merry prankster. All right. Well, I'm, I'm coming down and there better not be any bags out there when I get (laughs) and the intercom cuts off. You you could just, but never mind. (laughs) And about a minute later, the many, many locks on the other side of the door open, the door swings in, and you are greeted with the diminished frame of Dr. M. He is about five and a half feet tall these days, fairly stooped with age. It's kind of wasted away. He has hair that was once bright red, has now largely faded to just plain old gray and white, although the roots still retain some of their ginger coloring. It's a little bit wild, a little bit all over the place. He He's a little bit disheveled. And behind large Coke bottle glasses, he has startlingly bright blue eyes that peer out at you from a crack in the door. He looks you over and then peeks around suspiciously and says, Alex, did you did you see anyone out here? There was some ne'er-do-well threatening to leave unmentionables on my porch. Uh, no, no. You know, I, there was no one else here. You know, I think I saw, I saw some miscreant, uh, some, some hoodlum, uh, you know, running, running off, um, almost knocked over one of the, those trash cans that, uh, never seemed to get emptied. Did he? Uh, n- no, 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 no. Okay. Good. Uh, he shuts the door and then you hear the chain lock drop and he reopens it wide enough for you to, to squeeze into the, the, uh, hallway. 
All right, so, uh, all right, nope, gonna avoid. Nope, all right. Did you stack more things here, Dr. M? Of course not. I'm, I'm pretty sure, I'm just, I'm just saying this wasn't, I think, you know what, never mind. How are you, Dr. M? Well, aside from the general state of the world and everything else, uh, I suppose the very least i have my health it's been some time you've been keeping busy i have you know i think it's been pretty good uh like you know i enrolled uh in brant academy moving off campus pretty sure that um you know um, my bedroom's going to be a craft area by the end of the week but uh yeah no it's pretty good um you know hung out in that uh um upside down underground planet uh, that I told you about. That was real weird. Also, Deathless Comrade was there. He does not react to anything you were saying. He kind of bustles down the hallway and back into the kitchen. There are very few rooms in his house that are usable at this point. The others are full of papers and boxes and objects of indeterminate origin that are just kind of stacked haphazardly around none of it seems to have any inherent value or contain any important knowledge as far as you've been able to tell but he is rabid about protecting all of it and the kitchen is one of the only places that he is able to use that he does any sort of socializing in despite the fact that you are largely as far as you're aware the only person he ever socializes with these days but he basically ignores everything you just said. He does not react to it at all and says, yes, yes, that sounds, that sounds very, very fascinating. Very interesting. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So besides, um, you know, having a fist fight, uh, with deathless comrade, uh, what did you want to talk to me about? Well, you, you texted me. I, I did. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to update you kind of on what I was doing, um, especially the part where I fought Deathless Comrade. Deathless Comrade? Yeah. Deathless Comrade. That's, that's impossible. It was pretty wild. Um, again, not really sure where exactly um, the Upside Down Underground planet is. I thought maybe a pocket outside of time, but Danny says that it was not nearly magenta enough for that. No, no. Deathless, deathless comrade is, is dead. Deathless comrade has been dead for, for longer than, than you've been alive. I would know. I was there when he died. I know. I know that. And now, like I said, I don't know where this place was or when or how it was, but I was there. Other people were there. And we did a punching and some kicking and some glassing and some portaling. And there was some bone stuff going on as well. On top of that, a lot of smashed cutlery. But eventually we put him back in the weird radioactive fallout vault that he was stuck in, in upside down underground planet. What, 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 what is, what is what is bone stuff? What is what is wrong with your generation? You know, I 
if I can be totally honest with you, Dr. M, I am equally confused by Spectral's whole deal. But, you know, not really my place. So... <laughs> these others, this... What, what... Who are these others? You said there were other people there you've referenced. Who are these people? They're, uh, I guess... I want to say friends, um, but I guess one of them wants to be my friend. Uh, and I said that I was open to the possibility. So I guess colleagues, teammates, classmates, teammates. We'll go with teammates. Yeah, I've got a team now. I'm a team player now. I'm on the, the squad. I made the team. V, v, for, v for varsity. Uh, well, I was going to ask if you had created a pose. But uh, that was going to be a facetious question. Yeah, so I guess uh, I guess I gotta. Uh, I'm on like I don't want to like compare it to the Union Heroic, but I would I wouldn't. Yes, yes. I mean, you gotta start somewhere, right? You know. So hey, I've got, I've got a team. I've got a squad. Well, that's all very nice. I hope this situation suits you better. Um. <clears throat> all right. Well, um, I hope that as well. You know, I sounds like you've got it all figured out and don't need uh, an old man slowing you down. Even if that old man were the progenitor of everything you can and have accomplished. You know, I was hoping that we wouldn't do this. You know, I, um, I don't know why you feel like we have to do this. I just look, I, Dr. M, I want your help. I do. I want you to teach me. I want to to do right by what you did, by what you are. And I don't want to be ungrateful. I don't want to walk away from this, what you've helped me achieve. But at the same time, if you're not going to help me, which it doesn't sound like you're going to, then, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I'm just saying, if I'm going to be victory, if you want me to be victory or victory lad or whatever the hell, if you want me to eventually even be a doctor victory, if you want to have a legacy at all, we both have to make this work, Dr. M. Dr. McManus deflates in the wake of this statement. And he sits down heavily in one of the chairs around the table in the kitchen. They are upholstered in a very sort of 1970s vinyl fabric, like orange with yellow flower print on them. He puts his elbows on his knees and he, he leans forward and he looks very tired all of a sudden. He says, Alex, I am coming undone. I am unraveling at the seams. I can feel it every day. I don't know if it has to do with history being rewritten or just old age, but, but I can feel everything that made me Dr. Victory slipping away more and more. I didn't remember who Deathless Comrade was when you walked through the door. And then it, it clicked eventually. I'm losing things, Alex. 
I am sorry, Dr. M. I am. Um, I didn't mean for it to sound like that. I'm look, I'm I'm happy to try and help you too. Like I said, we both need to make this work. This has to be a two-way street. And I if you need help, I want to help you, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say that maybe this is going to be hard for you, but you do need to ask me. I will do my best. You're right. It's it's very hard going from being one of the world's greatest heroes to, well, to this. And he gestures at himself. And then to see you, and he gestures to you, I've never been a bitter or jealous man, although I haven't been an easy one to care for either. And I know that about myself. But all of this, the the envy and the unfairness of it all, it 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 gets to me, Alex, and I'm sorry, that's not your fault. It's not really anybody's fault except for deathless comrades. Well, um, Said I don't know if this is uh, any particular consolation, but we did beat him up. Dr. M cracks a smile at that, and he chuckles a little bit, and he says, Now, that I would very much like to hear about. Why don't you pull up a seat? And yeah, Alex will uh, sit down, and he'll start going over it from the top. And you and Dr. M have a moment of... Connecting with one another, you fill him in on what went down in Ravenholm Manor and in the other place. You tell him about your team and the Brant Academy, and especially when you describe your fight with Deathless Comrade, he gets very excited and, and very animated, more so than you've seen him in a long time, to the point where, where you can see how when you're describing putting up your arms and covering your face while he's just sort of raining blows down on you. He kind of does it himself with his very frail arms and kind of mimes the bobbing and weaving in his chair. It's a nice, wholesome moment. There was the other thing that I was going to bring up. Dr. M, there is, and we were having such a good time too. There is one thing I do want to ask you about. There was a moment there where, in the fight, Deathless Comrade's mask came off, and uh, I got a look at his face, a good one. He looked like you, the younger you. Dr. McManus's eyebrows knit together when you say this. And he opens his mouth as if to reply, but instead of words coming out, the only thing that emerges from his mouth is spit as his eyes roll back into his head and his body starts to seize Ooh. and he falls out of his chair ah. oh. onto the kitchen floor. Dr. M, Dr. M. You call 911, I'm assuming. And yes. That image of him on the ground seizing and you hovering over him 
very concerned with the phone in your hand is where we'll leave that particular scene. Wonderful. A few days later, at the Brandt Academy campus, you were notified by this same sort of unknown text number that you had received communications from earlier to your phones that you were going to be incorporated as one of the Brandt Academy's training squads. You'd been accepted into the program. The three of you, I assume, are still staying in Ellis Tower. Lyra, you are not, I'm assuming. No, I think at some point I met up with at least one of them and made a comment. But I was like, you can just use it for storage. Unless I'm crashing for like a one night only, I'm not staying. I mean, we could keep it as a guest room. Hey, that is up to you if you plan on entertaining. So you have essentially an empty room. But you've had the opportunity to personalize your rooms. You've had the opportunity to personalize your shared common area, which would probably include not a kitchen, of course, but a sink, some cabinets, not a stove, but wanted to add a hot plate or something like that. As far as you know, nobody would yell at you. Very much a college experience. For each of you. And after about a week of this time to yourselves, of which you've all had many questions, most of which have gone unanswered thus far, you have been told by the same number to report to the building that was pointed out to you all as the bunker during your tour of the campus. So GM, I do have one question before we jump into this. Sure. Would Kaz have been able to call the meeting with the other three i don't see why not i assume that would be very easy to do i assume for everybody else uh, it's very easy for you to call a meeting if you specifically want lyra to be there i imagine it's going to take a little more planning on your part but i think lyra can fit it into into her busy schedule yeah so kaz i mean would have easily been able to talk to alex and danny since he lives with them and figured out a way to schedule this around bethel's schedule you know texted her and was like hey uh wanted to have a squad meeting before everything uh when are you free i think lyra would have given up her cell phone number under a very pointed threat of i will hurt you if you google this number if you give out this number if you anything this number but she would make note that she's usually free after. It's nighttime. She gives you a nighttime meeting schedule. And so in the common area of your suite in Ellis Tower, the four of you gather. And Kaz has with him three items. One is a katana made out of bone, which he gives to Danny. It is a replica of the one that Danny gave him as the emotional support katana during the underground upside down adventure. Danny bows and accepts it and then hugs it close to his chest. (laughs) Amazing. And then for victory, he has created a little statue (laughs) of the V so that Alex can have that again made out of bone. Is this just a hand? Like a disembodied V hand? I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that is exactly what it is. (laughs) okay and then for bethel he has created a worry stone um made out of bone 
However, he has added color to it, so it is rainbow. He was attempting to mimic stained glass, but it just looks like a rainbow worry stone made out of bone. And so he hands those around. I'm pretty sure Alex and Danny are definitely aware that he's been a little on edge. He's mostly been in his room, uh, theoretically creating these items. But he definitely has seemed increasingly stressed as this state has been coming up. So I think for Bethel, who has not sort of been around this energy, he is radiating anxiety and stress, even though seemingly all he's doing is for now handing out gifts. And then after he sort of handed them around, he says, look, before tomorrow's induction, there's something that I need to tell all of you because I don't think it's fair for this to happen without you all knowing this about me. And I don't know if this will change your thoughts on having me be a part of the squad. I, I hope it doesn't, but I wouldn't feel right if I went through tomorrow without me having shared this with you first. How's everyone reacting to that? Patience and waiting. Lyra, unfortunately for you, is wearing the mask. So, again, she's got civilian clothes on at the bottom. She's wearing the mask, so you don't know. She's standing there. She's still holding the stone. This is one of those things where it's like, oh, wow, this is really thoughtful, but also really targeted. I don't know how to take this. So she's like cradling it still, but there's... There's no read for you to gather because it's there's just the mess. She's not saying anything, but she's just... That's fair. And I feel like Kaz was kind of expecting that. I mean, I don't think he really knows how anyone's going to react to what he's about to say. But I think, especially with Bethel, he's just kind of accepted he's not going to know unless she wants him to know. And so he kind of takes a few beats just to read the room as much as he can and see where things are. And then is like, all right, so... You know how when we all had um, our evaluations, you remember that mine was a little bit different than yours. It was one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That was because, that was because uh, uh, Leo, he found out something about me and he thought it was important that we had a chance to talk without everyone else knowing. To, to respect my privacy. Um, he also said it was up to me if and when I told all of you. And that's been on my mind since we had that conversation. All right. So uh, here, here it goes. Um, so you all know me as uh, Casimir Bright, but that's, um, that, that's not the name I was born with. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're not talking about the fact that I'm trans or anything like that. Um, I, I chose a different last name than the one that my family has because I was tired of how everyone would look at me when they heard my name and when they realized when they realized who my father who my father is so if I were using my last name my my last name wouldn't be bright it it would be Stefani That may or may not mean much to each of you, depending on how informed you are about present-day 
supervillain specifics. You can see the wheels turning in Alex's head. There's a moment of confusion followed by sudden comprehension, followed by suddenly getting very, very quiet. And I think for you, Alex, there is a flashback. You are pulled back to a memory of a typical sidewalk where a man physically at least your equal in terms of height and mass, maybe even a little bit taller, in a immaculate pinstripe suit that almost has a metallic sheen to it and hands and a face that look like they are covered in a layer of gold standing over you and punching you in the face repeatedly while you lie there physically incapable of moving or taking any action whatsoever. And he seems almost detached, almost like this is just a normal Tuesday for him. And then you're back in the top room. Alex kind of shifts his jaw a little bit and feels it click slightly. Lyra's knowledge of that kind of sentence around, similar to like what her family would have been talking about at the time, which would have been as a family that values family very much, hearing about what happened with Majority in relation to Stefani and then what the aftermath. So she doesn't know anything particular about Stefani themselves, but she does know what it's associated with. You've heard enough to make the connection between the last name Stefani and the supervillain Tyrant. Yes. The only kind of indication of surprise if Kaz is looking for it is just a slight opening of the mouth just like a oh but that's kind of all she does for a minute and then she says but you're here now you're gonna stay here Kaz's shoulders relax the slightest bit and then he just kind of nods and says I mean if everyone's in agreement that I stay yeah I'm, I'm gonna stay here that's the choice I made when, when I talked with Leo. I could have left then, but I didn't want to. What's everyone else voting? I say bad parents have good kids and good parents have bad kids. But who their parent are doesn't define who they are. Kaz, I don't like my dad. I don't think I like my dad. I don't think I like dads. I don't know how I feel about mom. I don't like your dad, but I like you. And as far as I'm concerned, who your dad is does not matter. And if you would like, we can also change your last name to Carseat. That's fucked up and thoughtful, Danny. And I appreciate the offer of the last name, but uh, Bright has a special place in my heart. Uh, so I don't think I'm ready to give that <laughs> last name up. I respect your decision, and I still see you as family. The Carseat and I will be here when you're ready. <laughs> they just need your signature. The adoption papers are filled out. <laughs> I don't know how old I am, but I will still try to adopt you. <laughs> yeah, I just keep sliding them underneath your bedroom door every night. <laughs> just magically teleport on top of your pillow. And you keep saying it's the car seat. It's not you. I'm not doing this. I don't know how to. <laughs> And then I hug my sword. I guess if 
I guess if everyone else thinks that this is okay, then um, I guess I can be okay with it too. You're going to be. Yes, Victory, we are not giving you a choice in this regard. We love you too, but we are a family. We are a team and we respect each other. All right, you know, uh, yeah, okay. Um, I'm not going to keep this mysterious. Uh, I'm just going to come right out with it. I'm going to do my best, but I do want it to be known. Kaz, and this is not on you. I acknowledge this, but your dad did make me lie down in the street and curb stomped me repeatedly for about 97 minutes. Yeah, I'm sorry. My dad does that. He did. For 97 minutes. And that's not on you. But um, I may be more than um, the rest of the squad may need uh, an adjustment period. Yeah, that, that that's fair. Kaz, is it okay if we fight your dad? Maybe not right away. Speaking as the only one here who has been curb stomped for 97 minutes by Kaz's dad. I think maybe not right away. Yeah, I'm still um, kind of processing all of this because th- this wasn't really like what was supposed to happen. I mean, I, I guess I don't know what was supposed to happen, but I didn't leave home thinking that I would be a superhero. I just... I just wanted to go out to brunch and all of this happened and I'm here now and I'm making choices that I didn't expect to make. And I know that's going to put me on a collision course with my dad at some point, but I am not ready to look at that right now. I think the fact that you felt the need to try to cushion bad news with gifts is pretty indicative of the way news has gone for you in the past. If we have any kind of an egotistical thought that we can be heroes and we can be better than your father, not a single one of us here have a right to judge you for something you can't control. And victory, I understand your hesitance and it's hard to deal with something that physically happened to you for what sounds like an awful, awful amount of time. I think he was annoyed that I was invulnerable. Yeah, that tracks. Well, there you go. Not many people can say that they annoyed someone like Tyrant and gets the chance to do it again. I, I think it would be fair if Victory then curb stamped your father for 97 minutes. I don't know if I'm ready to process that either right now. I'm just... I'm- not sure I'm there yet. This is my dad. Tell you what, we've all started talking about a lot here in the last few minutes, but I think the long and the short is that in the in the immediate term, we are all at least okay with this information and we're all on the squad together and we're going to work together and everything else we can table for now. Victory, would you like to curb stomp my dad? <laughs> 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 
The rest of you are beginning to suspect Danny may not know what that word means. I understood 97 minutes. The length of one rom com. Yeah. <laughs> Danny did just have a realization, though, that by being in the past uh, from his own time, his father is alive here and is going to retreat into himself a little bit to think about this. So it seems like we're all dealing with a little bit right now. I, well, I guess as long as we're talking about stuff, my mentor is in the hospital right now. Um, He is in a coma. They do not know whether he is going to wake up and we weren't quite at the point of ending things on a wholly positive note when last we spoke. So anyway, do we want to go do some superhero shit? Because I would honestly, I would love that right now more than anything. I think we could all maybe go for doing some superhero shit. Do we want to go squat up? Bethel, what do you think? Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, absolutely. There's a spot by the docks that people have absolutely been starting to set up a drug operation that I've been eyeballing. Sounds great. Let's go flip over some uh, shipping containers where they're building their labs. That'll feel good. Danny will, without a word, open a portal to the docks so that we can break some heads respectfully. All right. You can hop through that portal and break some heads. I am going to put a little bit of a, a fun spin on that. And I'm going to say that Danny opens a portal to the docks, <clears throat> but not the province docks. Uh, you wind up somewhere in Eastern Europe. You're not ex- sure exactly <laughs> where, but there is definitely a language being spoken that you do not understand, but you recognize crime when you see it. And so you do in fact, get the opportunity to stop some crime, fight some bad guys beating up a bunch of Greek guys. (laughs) Yeah. Not sure where you are exactly, but you know that they were doing crimes and you stopped them. And then you portal back just in time to get a little bit of rest before you were told to report to the bunker. It would have mentioned also that you are to report in full costume, whatever that means to each of you. So... A new day dawns, you didn't get nearly as much sleep as you need, but you're all very used to that, living your respective lifestyles. You make your way out of your suite, maybe grab a little bit of breakfast on your way out of the tower, and make your way to the bunker. Are you still in your your egg period, Victory? It's been about a week. Uh, at this point, no, we're, we are off of the egg rotation. Now we are on to a large number of leafy things. You got your cabbage, you got your kale, you got your spinach, you got your fall roughage from the lawn outside, you got some twigs, got some grass clippings, and then you put it all into a blender and put some maple syrup on it. And uh, yeah, Danny watches you make this and teleports the blender away. (laughs) Kaz just watches with like absolute fascination just as these things continue and it's just like like an absurd amount of kale 
cabbage in there <laughs> and then just a garbage bag full of just like leaf litter. <laughs> and then after the, the leaf litter and the glass clippings, uh, all is said and done, it's been thoroughly emulsified at long last, mm. the maple syrup. Not going to ask questions. To any innocent observers, which unfortunately does not include the three of you, it kind of just looks like a kale smoothie or something. But you were cursed with the truth. <laughs> and together you cross the quad of the Brand Academy past the statue of Roger Brandt, uh, a true hero, as the plaque proclaims. The buildings that make up the Brandt Academy campus are tall as a rule. It is a campus that really only occupies about a city block. What they have done to make up for this lack of space is build up. So Ellis Tower is by huge degrees the largest structure, but the rest of the buildings, the Seraph Center and all of the others are still very tall. The bunker, on the other hand, looks more like it's more evocative of a gymnasium than it is of anything else. It is a very sort of practical, concrete building. It has a convex roof, sort of a dome-shaped roof, not very many windows, and really only one set of heavy steel doors that you can enter or exit from. As you enter through the doors, these gymnasium vibes continue. You can see a set of three double doors directly across from you that presumably lead into whatever occupies the center portion, the vast majority of this building. Where you are right now is clearly more of sort of a staging area. The floors are tiled. There is a large display screen on one wall that appears to show a schedule of individuals who have booked the bunker for that particular time slot. You can see signs that indicate where there is a locker room, where there are showers, sauna, weight room, that kind of thing. But the three sets of double doors that are directly across from you, now that you have a better look at them, you realize doors may not be the most accurate descriptor because there are no hinges that you can see. As far as you can tell, these are just solid sheets of metal that occupy three gateways into whatever is on the other side. You don't see any means of opening them or closing them. But waiting for you in this sort of lobby slash staging area of the building, you see Leo, who is standing there sort of bleary-eyed with a mug of coffee in one hand. It says, world's best teacher on it. He's just wearing like a button-down shirt and a tie, both a little wrinkly. He kind of looks like he rolled out of bed and came straight here. But standing next to him are two people with deeply opposite energy, at least based on their appearances. The first one, who is standing next to Leo and appears to be chatting very animatedly and amicably with him, is a woman of about, you'd guess, maybe five, six. She has blonde hair that is sort of on the longer side. It is plated into a braid. And the best word to describe her would be healthy. She appears to be a very 
fit person, a very vital person. You can see, even though she is wearing this black tactical suit, you can see the muscles that she possesses underneath it. And with her is a man, a little bit taller than her, maybe about 5'9 or 5'10, you're not sure. His head is largely shaved, but is a little bristly. He also has uh, some five o'clock shadow over a very square jaw, and he is dressed almost identically to her. Lots of pockets. There is a belt around each of their waists that contains pouches. You're not sure what those contain exactly. The man, however, does have two crossed katanas over his back that are sheathed. The only real difference you can notice between their uniforms is that on the shoulders of the man's suit, there is a silver star encased in a blue circle. And on the woman's sleeve, there are three silver stripes contained within a blue rectangle. And as you enter the building, Leo raises a hand to greet you, apparently forgetting that this was the hand holding his coffee. He spills it a little bit. It splashes over onto his hand. He immediately starts fanning it a little bit. The woman standing next to him cracks a smile, and the man rolls his eyes. But as you approach, he uh, he manages to stabilize the cup, and he raises his other hand to greet you, and he says, hey, hi, everybody, welcome. You settling in okay? Everything, everything all right? Yeah, everything's, everything's good. Danny is eating a gyro. Somehow got it from the docks and brought it here. And just nods affirmingly. Okay, great. The man with the swords is going to fix his gaze on you, Danny, in a way that is not openly aggressive, but feels aggressive. You could attempt to pierce the mask if you wanted to, but you do not have to. You know what? Yeah, I think I'm going to, because Danny doesn't like outright antagonism. Extremely fair. Uh, Roll with mundane. That's not a good first roll. Uh, Oh, shit. (laughs) A four? Well, that is a fail, but you can mark a potential. So you don't get to ask any specific information about this man, but I will tell you for free... That while you don't really know what this dude's deal is exactly, Danny can recognize a bully when he sees one. Danny is going to return the eye contact and then look at his swords and smirk. So he turns to face all of you and he says, good. Okay, well, I'm glad you're settling in. Okay, I'm glad things are going well. For your first training as a team, we have a few guests here. They'll probably be doing a lot of this when you're not practicing with yourselves or other members of the faculty. Interspec handles a lot of our training operations. That's sort of their jurisdiction, and that's sort of the nature of our partnership with them, which allows us to keep the school running and ensure that everybody is getting the best possible education that they can. You all would be very familiar with Interspec, sort of a shorthand for Interpol Special Division, which is the name they started out with. They were a offshoot of Interpol that was founded by the United Nations around the time the Paragon first showed up, specifically as a nation-neutral governing body to regulate superheroes as they emerged. And as superheroes became more and more effective life, more and more funding was poured into Interspec until it way, way, way outsized its 
initial parent organization. It's become a separate thing entirely at this point, hence the name Interspec. It's kind of this world's version of a superhuman regulatory agency that is not beholden to any one nation, coupled with a super science organization with an element of super spies thrown in there for good measure. Leo says, so for today, you'll be being evaluated by a couple old, he hesitates for a second and kind of side-eyes the guy with the sword and says, friends of mine. So um, I want you to listen to them exactly the same way you might me. I want you to listen to them exactly the same way you might listen to me, which I'm realizing as I say this, we've really only known each other for a week and I don't think I've ever actually told you to do anything. So I guess just please listen to them and you will benefit from it. I can pretty much guarantee that. This is Commander Mary Jones. He gestures to the woman and says she leads the super tactical rescue intelligence peacekeeping and evacuation squad. And this is Commander Micah Masterson. He leads the super tactical assault regiment. The man kind of just crosses his arms across his chest and gives you the barest of nods. The woman opens her mouth to speak, to say something to you all, and he steps forward and says, All right then, let's find out what you can do. Wow, we sure learned a lot about our heroes and for just how long victory can get curb-stopped in the street. Thank you for joining us. And you know what? Without you, we wouldn't be able to do this. So thank you again for just being a fan, because at the end of the day, that matters a lot. We couldn't do this without you, and we really want you to know how much we appreciate your continued support. If you'd like to keep up with us and what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter at LiveFromTheApoc, Instagram and TikTok at LiveFromTheApocalypse, or join our Discord community, which will be linked in the description down below. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to give us a good rating and follow us on the podcatcher of your choice. Leave a review if you're so inclined. It really does help us out so much. The donation link to our Planned Parenthood campaign can also be found in the description if you'd like to help out at this critical time. Join us for the live recordings of Academy H every other Sunday, or any of our four other ongoing live stream campaigns that happen throughout the week over at twitch.tv slash live from the apocalypse. Again, thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to us. We really appreciate it. We love you. We're in love with you. I'm in love with you. My mother is terrible, but we're going to have a big wedding. Thank you again, and we hope to see you soon. I am 
truly so sorry for how insane I'm going to sound in all of this, but hello, it's me, Jamie Carbone, here to introduce you to Academy Age, featuring myself and many other talented individuals as we have terrible introductions. All right, I'm going to get out of my head. (laughs) You know what? I thought this was going to be much easier. Wow. (laughs) Okay, that just sounds dumb. Wow. Kaz sure shared a lot. I don't know what I'm doing. Wow. We sure learned a lot about our heroes and how they feel about each other. And at the end of the day, who doesn't love getting curb stopped for a very long time in the... Wow. We sure learned a lot about our heroes and just how long... Oh my God. Victory? I'm forgetting Victory's name. Instagram and TikTok at Live from the Apocalypse or join our Discord... Hmm. Discord. All right, I hope you can use some of that, but if you can't, uh, I'm sorry, I am dumb.